What's up, bums? How's it going? This is Water Cooler episode 10. My name is Marley Silverbrand, and I'm joined by Jerry Villa. What's up, bum? How's it going? What's good, bum? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a new thing that we started. It's, Jerry and I are now working at the same job, so uh, it whenever we see a bum, we're just like, what's up, bum? <laughs> yeah, uh, there's nothing to it. just some something stupid, but Jerry, how, how, are, you, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm still trying to get over the the loss from yesterday. Yeah, that was definitely a tough loss. Uh, but it's been a while since we recorded. Like it feels like, like it's. I think it's been like two weeks, but it honestly feels like it five longer, years yeah. because of everything that's happened since we since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. It was just uh, like we. Well, one California's on fire. If anyone to. This is just a podcast. You're probably from California because mostly our friends that listen to this podcast. But California is on fire. Uh, Black Lives Matter is stops freaking Black Lives Matter protests for the NBA, and it's like uh, I don't know. It's so much, so much crazy stuff in 2020. Like, like what do you think, Jerry? Same, same thing. It's it's been it's been a crazy couple weeks. Um, we we tried recording. It's it's been tough schedule wise. Yeah, but we're glad we can do it. Yeah, Throw like, another episode out there. Well, Jerry and I are like I said, we're we're working the, at the same job now, working for the scooter company, and we're both overnight, so it's a little bit difficult to get s- schedules together. But uh, once we, hopefully, we can get like the same days off, so we can actually like record. Maybe we can talk to our our boss and see if we can we can do that but but we'll see uh but yeah uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today um we got uh, nba basketball to talk about a little bit of video games and uh some uh weekly recommendations uh so let's start off with the clippers and nuggets the semifinals uh i have the clippers and nuggets i have the clippers uh finishing the nuggets off in 5 like I watched the game last night, and it was just, uh, I, I feel like the, the the Clippers are just too good of a team, and the Nuggets. I feel like the Nuggets kind of survived against the Jazz because the Jazz weren't really playing any defense, and Jamal mm-hmm. Murray was having those fifty point games because they didn't. The Jazz didn't really have anyone to match up Murray, but the Clippers also have Patrick Beverly, mm-hmm. which uh, I don't know. I just think that's a better matchup. Well, the, the Jazz, they had Donovan Mitchell, but he was just gassed because he had to score like 40 points per game in order yeah, well, to actually keep him in. I think Donovan Mitchell is a good defender, but I don't I, – I don't really – I've never really seen him as like a stopper. Like, he's good offensively, but I can't mm-hmm. really – I I wouldn't – if I'm like the coach, I wouldn't put him in there to like stop like a hot shooter. Yeah. Like Patrick Beverly, on the, other, on the other hand, like he may be annoying, but – like I put him in there to annoy the heck out of a, like a player that's like on a hot streak, yep. and he can get the stops. Exactly. Plus, plus the entire Clippers team is just like stacked up and down the lineup with like good defenders with Kawhi, uh, Paul jo- Paul George, I guess playoff P, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just I don't know. I just I just like the, this Clippers team. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I said like. I, earlier um and on earlier episodes that i don't i like the clippers team last year but i'm really starting to grow to like this clippers team 
because mainly because of Kawhi, like that, that Kawhi freaking step back in the paint, like just above the, the free throw line. It's fucking money. It's just, it's, 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 it's so crazy. Like it is, it's, it's, it's money non nonstop. Easy, yeah. Easy. It's easy. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. They, they should win five. I think the, the nuggets, they're a streaky team. If they if they get going, they get going. They they're gonna win. But yeah. it's it's tough to be the Clippers four games in a row. Yeah, exactly. And like I'm not counting out a Michael Malone team, but like we've seen a lot of like coaches like that lost their jobs after get, uh, leaving like the bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think Michael Malone's job is on the line just because he like he's been in this position many times yeah. where he can't get past the second round and like do you think he's the coach that can push the the nuggets over the edge i don't think he is i think he's a like Dwayne casey with the raptors he's a regular season coach yeah or uh mike budenhoser which yep. we'll, we'll get into that later about, about the about the about the box but uh uh Let's talk a little bit about this Lakers Houston series. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think anyone really thought that that Houston would give the Lakers a run for their money. Yes, like I think James James Harden would have to have like fifty point games like every single game, and Russell Westbrook would have to be on point. And I think the the biggest storyline here is that Russell Westbrook really hasn't been on point. No, he's he's been a turnover machine, dude. He's, he's been he's been cheeks. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, look. So his his last his last game, he had thirty points, three turnovers, two steals, six assists, eight rebounds. So it, it's there. It's just I don't know. Look, he, when he's on the court, he's a minus fourteen. Yeah, you, you can't have that from uh, your starting point guard. <laughs> And I understand that James Harden is the one probably is the one handling the ball. He is the highest usage, one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, you still it, it's it's still nice to have Westbrook like handle the ball and and take care of the ball too. But I just think that this small ball lineup is like like I think I predicted like on earlier episodes like it's gonna they're gonna hit the brick wall of the Lakers. Like yeah. I like when the Lakers lost that first game, I was just like, how does how did the Lakers lose a game with Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the same team? As much as I hate the Lakers, like that this team mm-hmm. is just built like it it's built to go all the way. You think so? I, well, I I think so. Like as much as I, I like before as uh, as much as I like the Clippers, like mm-hmm. the Clippers I think the Clippers if it's obviously going to be Clippers and Lakers in the Western Conference yeah. finals. Uh-huh. So, I feel like the, the Clippers don't really have the size. Like they have the toughness, but I yeah. I think just you're going to see alley oops from from Davis and just they're, they're just going to be going over the top of 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 Montrez Harrell and Zubach. Zubach is like he's a good like finesse player, but I I can see him getting eaten alive by Anthony Davis. Like, but what do you think? Uh, I don't know because who who they play? Who they play? So when they played the Mavs, I thought 
Christoph Porzingis was going to eat him up, but he was actually doing good. Well, there's been rumors saying that I, I know he said he was healthy, but like he left most of those games. But I don't think he was 100%. So, no, and then he tore his, uh, what, his meniscus? Yeah, his meniscus. Uh, so I think if he was 100%, maybe he would be eating him up. But I don't – the way I see – Porzingis and Anthony Davis, I see them as two different players. Like, I, I just – I think – just Anthony Davis is just so much more mass than Porzingis. Yeah. Porzingis is like a twig out there. Like, at least from from what I see, it's just – I just see more dominance from Anthony Davis. But that – Well, P- P.J. Hard. Tucker's holding his own, too, against them. Yeah, true, which is surprising. And you, you have like to think – 36. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think about this, too. In order for the Lakers to win, A.D. and LeBron, they both have to go off. If one of them's off, I don't. I don't think they win. Well, it, another like unsung, like hero that is really helping out the Lakers is Rondo. Like Rajon <laughs> Rondo. Yeah, playoff Rondo, man. Like Rondo is like, I, I I forget what I think I was listening to Bill Simmons podcast last night, and like Bill Simmons talked about like how Rondo. This is like the perfect situation for Rondo, just mm-hmm. because he doesn't really see him like he's. He was with Sacramento, like kind of a rebuilding, like yeah. Sacramento with a bunch of young players. Like I, I never really thought like he was the perfect fit there, even though he led the league in assists that year, which is mm-hmm. surprising, probably because he had Cousins right next to him. But I think just the this is the kind of the perfect role for him. Like, uh, start uh, he's starting right, mm-hmm. or or coming no, up. It's still. I'm pretty sure it's still um. So it's Danny Green and Colo Pope. Yeah, uh, those two are starting. Ew, that's gross. I know. <laughs> well, they, it is a good situation, like you're saying. It's like when he was in New Orleans. I think they had um, AD and Boogie at the same time. Mm-hmm. So he was doing good with both of them too. Yeah, and I've, really, like the only team he did bad with was Dallas. But. That was after he signed that big contract, right? Or was he traded to Dallas? You got the, the Celtic, yeah. The, well, I right. think we got rid of him. Yeah, you you guys traded him to Dallas, and then and then I think he signed the contract with Dallas, and he was gonna like reignite his career, but it, it, that never happened. It just never fit. Uh, he just never fit there, which was I was always sad for him. He's ha- he's kind of had a super interesting career, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad to see him have success. So, uh, but yeah, that's like another like little people don't really talk about him that much just because of the career he's had. But he's still, I think he's I think he's key to the Lakers uh, to the Lakers success. How how consistent do you think he's going to be from three? Because he hit three out of five. I think. Like, like if and he's that, open, uh-huh. he's I, gonna take it. But I, I, he's he's not a good three point shooter. Yeah, he's he's never been a good three point shooter. I mm-hmm. feel like I, I don't know. Like I don't really. That's not what I look into his game with. Like when he, when he's shooting, because I know that's not what he's good at. But I know like if teams aren't uh, guarding him out on the three, he's gonna knock down like a couple. And I feel like that's all that, what the Lakers need. Like I just want to see him drive and set players up, like, uh, and get, like especially when James is on the bench. 
because James is the run one guy uh, manning the point when he's on the floor. Uh, but it, it it's it's super. It's like I was talking to uh, I was talking to my other friend about like about the Lakers and just seeing LeBron James at age thirty six and he's still putting up putting up triple doubles and he's doing it without breaking a sweat. Yeah, and it's it's just so it's it's so crazy that like I can't even imagine. Like, can you think of an like another dominant player besides besides Jordan that was doing this at this uh, age? No, at this age, and no. he he hasn't really had like a major injury. No, I think what well, the last year. last year, yeah, yeah, that was that's the only one I can remember. Yeah, uh, this is and he was still putting up good numbers that year. And this they, is why he's just my my favorite player, like ever, just because of just he, he may complain a lot like on on the floor but i feel like he's earned that right mm-hmm. to complain he's like the only player on the court that has earned the right to com- complain because as much as we say it's Giannis's league or Kawhi's league this will always be lebron's league like especially while he's playing yeah but but yeah i i don't know uh i say lakers i say lakers in 5 i don't think houston really has a shot maybe they'll sneak another one out but i'd like you said, LeBron and Anthony Davis have to be on point every single game. Because James can drop like fifty out of nowhere. It's the same thing with Russ, give you a triple double. But and you never know; the series can be turned around. It just depends on today. They play yeah. today; they can tie it up, or Lakers go up three one. Daniel House is going to drop sixty. No, he's it's just, that's another thing. So we're going to talk about him. He's going to he, drop sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. I'm sorry. So oh, what do you want to uh, you, you had you had me add this story about Daniel House like yeah, I so, seen this I I seen the article but I didn't read it I was like what the hell is going on Okay so he's he's uh Mike D'Antoni confirms that he's not going to play tonight but he's not going to play tonight because the NBA is investigating him because I guess he brought one of those um workers who test who test them in in the bubble into his room Oh, so it wasn't a nest. It wasn't necessarily a hooker. It's just no. like, oh, it was one of the I, test I, workers I, there. They just so wanted. It was a. It was a girl. So I, I, I'm assuming he wanted to clap cheeks, but a he lot wanted of people that were... wet ass pussy. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of people were. <laughs> Sorry. A lot of people were. A lot of people were saying that it was. Um, he was getting tested, I guess. But oh, no. tested. Yeah, tested. Quote, quote, <laughs> quote, unquote. Yeah, quote, unquote, tested. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting. I don't see a problem with that. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe the people that they have t- doing those tests, it's like they have to stay strictly professional. And uh, because obviously the people doing the tests, they're not positive of COVID nineteen. Like, if you wanted to clap cheeks, I think he should have the right to clap cheeks, right? Yeah. So, what, I don't understand what the issue is here. And plus, they can bring in um, any of their, I think, members, right? Like, family members? Or oh, yeah. Like personal, like uh, close oh, people to them? Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. How, I think it was in the second round, they can bring in family members or girlfriends or wives. Mm-hmm. And, and kids, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, kids. Uh so 
the funny thing about that is that uh ever like it's it's super cool seeing Kyle Lowry with his with his uh, son and he's like smiling he's like oh daddy i think it's it's like it's a really cool social media moment but even the the even better social media moment is like jimmy butler cuz jimmy butler he's he's known to be just kind of a few screws loose like he's not he's i don't think he's all there which is not a bad thing but he he said that he basically said that he he didn't want like uh, his i think he i don't think he's married i think he just has a girlfriend but yeah he didn't he, want anybody there he didn't want his family there or his girlfriend there because it's a business trip which i guess is like i guess that makes sense but yeah. it, i just think it's funny when you see like all these players that are so happy to see like their family members because they've been in the bubble for quite a like quite yeah, a few a weeks time, and months. yeah so I just think it's weird that Jimmy Butler is like, is is like saying, "No, you you got to stay out, of, stay away from me." I, he's I'm, he's I'm, all in. He's he's focused. Right. That's why they're in the East the East Finals. Right. But uh, another interesting thing about that is, I think, is a little unfair is that the coaches and the training staff don't like uh, they don't get to see their families, which mm-hmm. I don't think is fair. Do, like, do you think it's fair? <laughs> I don't, but there's there's only so much room you can you can get in the bubble. Yeah, I understand, but I, if, I like, think that's that's what it is. If Jimmy Butler doesn't want his family there, I I think freaking Eric Spolstra deserves to see his kids. It's like it's like well maybe I, maybe some of them do. Maybe there's some in there. We just yeah, don't know. I I don't know. I, I, Michael Malone has uh, expressed expressed his feelings on that. Uh, like maybe we'll play the audio on that, but. Um, if you if you want to go hear it, Michael Malone expressed saying that he thinks it, he's very disappointed in the NBA, saying that the coaches are getting left out. Which he's Michael Malone is definitely right. And if you it, back when this uh, this whole thing started, I always thought it was weird that like this whole bubble situation was just really supporting the players. Because if you if you look at like most of the coaches in the NBA, they're all mostly over 50 and they're all at risk. So it's like uh, most of the, uh, most of the guidelines that require, like it's, it all protects the players. It doesn't really protect the coaches. I just thought it was super weird. Like when that came out, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a weird little story, but that we 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 got that from Daniel House clapping cheeks with the with, with the COVID nineteen test yeah. tester, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so uh, moving on, uh, do you want to talk about your your Celtics just completely yeah. screwing the pooch? Yeah. Okay. Let, let me let me get my mic a little closer. You had a you you had a, a day to relax a little bit. I was good. We were going to yeah. record yesterday, okay. but. Yeah. So it, so yesterday it it was a good game. I was I was excited. I, I me in my head I'm thinking, dang, we're gonna win. We're gonna go play the Heat, and then hopefully beat them in six or or something and go to the finals. But no, instead, I got what maybe maybe like two heart attacks, <laughs> stressing out. I kid you not. I drink I drink like three beers and under like five minutes just watching the the whole game nonstop 
It was a good game. I'm not going to lie that. To you guys that. are trading it was, buckets. It was good. Like the last three minutes. Yeah, back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Carl, like, it's, Lowry? It's playoff. Yeah, he hit some tough shots. It, what The main thing that he kept doing was going up on Kemba because he is bigger. So he's just backing him up, backing him up, and hitting the little fadeaway. It mm-hmm. it was it was money. It was, this was what playoff. This is what playoff basketball is. It's it's everybody's dream. Back and forth, back, back and forth. I think that we yeah. should have won. There was there was some calls that were like the last. I think the last two. Well, the last drive from Kemba in regulation, he got fouled with two seconds left. They didn't call it. They called a jump ball instead. It should have been yeah. a foul, and they they even tweeted it out the the last two minute report. They said he was fouled with two seconds left. It should have been a which. A foul. By the way, that two minute report they just need to abolish. Like there, it just make like being a Kings fan. We, mm-hmm. I got screwed over with that two minute report many times. Mm-hmm. And it just it like seeing like I'm sure you, you, when you read that this morning, or I I, I think it gets I just read it right now. Afternoon. No. It gets released in the afternoon. Yeah, but I just read it right now. I'm like, it that just makes you ago. feel like crap, doesn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. like I understand the NBA is like trying to be transparent and saying like we missed a call and they're being honest, but it just it. I would much rather just be in limbo and be like, oh, there was a jump ball all along instead of like, oh, sorry, we made a mistake, a, a crucial mistake in the final seconds of a game. But, um, did you see um, Nick Nurse's thing? What he was, what he was doing on the sideline? Okay, okay. This, I, I believe, it was Mark Jackson or no, it was Stan Van. Was it? Stan they both. Yeah, they both. They both talked. No, it, I don't think he was on there. I don't. Was, I don't think so either. But it was uh, Mark Jackson and um, Mike Breen, I think. It, yeah, I, they they brought this up. Okay, mm-hmm. so this was. I think it was like the second to last possession or third to last possession. Tatum yeah, had, it was in it was Tatum in crunch had time. Ball. Tatum mm-hmm. had the ball and he go, he go he he drives and he was going to kick it off to Tice, but Nur- Nurse is right I, there. I he was on the court. I would say he was. He, he his foot his foot was on the line, so he was so, the, Nur- like Nurse, right there. N- Nurse kind of he's like he's like right on the corner, and right, right in Tatum's yeah. vision. So Tatum thought he was. I guess you thought he was Tice. He I, well, yeah. He thought he was the player, so he kicked it out. So to him. he kicked it out, and but it wasn't. And Nick Nurse moves out of the way, which I don't think he, Nick Nurse did that intentionally. <laughs> and plus, I think Tatum is a smarter player to know that that Nick Nurse is not like Nick Nurse is not Daniel Tice in that situation. I just think Daniel Tice, Daniel Tice was just in the wrong wrong place at the wrong time. It was just miscommunication. Uh, it, it well, it's a little bit of both. I, I don't. As a coach, I, you shouldn't be there. You should be in the middle where you should be, closer to your your left side. Because Brad, I never see him go on the all the way at the left side of the court, or on the right side. He's always in the middle, which where you should be. And mm-hmm. even in the two the the two minute report thing, they said that he didn't he didn't do he didn't do anything bad. Uh, Nick Nurse, but you you. you you know you shouldn't be in the corner, especially you be when on the it's court like too. super crunch time. Yeah. Especially when it's crunch time, right there. I get Tatum messed up. He threw. I think he just seen him in his um, like the corner of his eye, mm-hmm. and he just threw it out to him, which is the like the go go to thing to do. 
Yeah, well, in, in that situation, I would much rather have Tatum drive and get and try and get a foul call. Yeah, I, I would. I wouldn't want him kicking like kicking out to Tice on the perimeter. Was was he trying to like? I know Tice is a good yeah. three point shooter, but it's like I want yeah, him I think driving. That's what he was trying to do. I, I I want him driving in that situation, but like going back to like the the jump ball that was supposed to be a foul with like seconds to go, oh. like. The, the, I I believe I think Brad Stevens and the Celtics player should know better that that the refs just don't blow the whistle in the final seconds. That you shouldn't it, be looking for a call in the final seconds. He he went up for the layup. He was about to make it, and then he gets his whole hand smacked right in front of the ref. He looks at him and he he sees that they're fighting for the ball. He he goes straight for the jump ball or yeah. the timeout because. Kyle Lowry called the timeout before he even had the ball, and they still gave him the timeout. Yeah, uh, I I understand that. It's just I they should just know better. That yeah, I I get I get it. It's a, it's a bang bang call. It's mm-hmm. it's right there in the it's cr- in crunch time. Yeah, I, I get I tip my hat to the Raptors. They played they played their fucking hearts out. Tip your hat to the superstars. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, I'm just excited. Kyle, he he, yeah. Kyle, he he brought his game. Um, Norman Powell, he 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 clutched up. They they hit their buckets. Yeah, we'll just we'll see we'll see what they do on on Friday. I'm excited I'm to see a game seven. Nervous. Yeah. So but, yeah, but um, but I'll I'll just say that the Celtics should have been up three zero. They should have been up. They should have won a game three easily. But they, they kind of gave it away. They kind of gave that game away in, in in game three. They let the Raptors get back into the game, and I feel like that was in yeah, this entire we'll series. That beater. This entire series, they've kind of let the Raptors kind of get into their groove and kind of get back into the game. Because I, I, I know we're better than them overall. I know we're better than them. I think we just we just take our foot off the gas for a little bit. And it's, they have a better bench. Back. The Raptors have a better bench. Well, the bench isn't even doing anything. Yeah, but um, – and Siakam isn't really doing anything. Like, he, he – Siakam's, like, really having a poor a poor series. I don't I don't know what's going on. Uh, Did but, you see what Stephen A. Smith said about him? Uh, what did he say? He he said he, he, likes, he likes Siakam – but he doesn't think he's a superstar. He said he's I. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I have to agree with him. That's yeah, the one thing I would have to agree with freaking Stephen A. Smith on, which I'm completely shocked. Mm-hmm. But I think I think Siakam is like I think that's why he's struggling this year is because like I don't see him as a number one option. Yeah, and like since Kawhi left, well, mm-hmm. when Kawhi was there, he was the number two option, and now with Kawhi not there. Uh, Everyone, uh, all the teams are kind of uh, going going at him, and and uh, bringing their best def- defensive guy on him, yep. and he he's just not adjusting very well. Um, so there there's a reference I want to refer that to. It's it's a football one, so I don't know if you're gonna be able to get it. Uh, so there's <laughs> on the on Thanks. the Steel- <laughs> on the Steelers. Um, a couple years ago, so when they had Antonio Brown and they still have their wide receiver now, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, mm-hmm. when the best defensive player was on Antonio Brown, which he was 
I think he's still like one of the best wide receivers in the league. If he was in the league, but all his mental stuff and whatnot. But when he was on the on the field, he was one of the best receivers in the league. And they would have their best defensive back on them or on him. So that would leave Juju Smith Schuster open all the time. So he was a good number two. But now since he's gone, he had a, a bad year last year. Most Steelers fans blame it on the quarterback, but if you're a good receiver, you're catching everything. Well, it's it's like that. What I think is Siakam. He's a he's a good number two, not a good number one. Well, I think that's what the like t- bringing you back to basketball a little bit is. I I feel like that was Buddy Heald's main problem this year is that Buddy had a really good year last year and he was mm-hmm. like he he clapped threes like all day and he made his way into the starting lineup. But like in year two of him being in the starting lineup, teams started to like say like, oh, wow, this guy can actually shoot the three. So I'm going to put my best guy on him. And when he's in the, when Buddy's in the starting lineup and like, and he's going to, he, he's seeing like the best defender on, on like a team. He's, he's not very good. And that's why like him coming off the bench. I feel like that's why Luke put him, uh, brought him off the bench is because one, our bench is really shitty and also, uh, and also, just Buddy just can't play with like the best, uh, the best five in the league. Like I don't see him as a as a number two guy. Uh, I've always seen him as like someone that can come off the bench and clap threes like all day. I I I think that was probably the main. I think that was. Uh, I I like Dave Yeager a lot, but I think that was like probably one of the things I disagreed with him on because Buddy just. I don't see him as a as a as a two in this league, but yeah, you, you, you kind of see what I'm what yeah. Uh huh. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Six man. But yeah. Uh. So I think Buddy just needs to look in a mirror and just be like, he needs to realize that I feel like I feel like him as a six man on this Kings team would be would would be ideal. And like, if we actually get like a real two, like whether that's Bogdanovich or not, whether we sign him. Uh, I think that I, I think Buddy as a six man is perfectly ideal, but he just needs to like stop. Like I said this before, he needs to stop thinking he's James Harden, and he's because he's not. So, but yeah, uh, enough Kings talk because I don't really want to talk about the Kings because they're exhausting to talk about. So, but uh, so we get it. We we have a um, game seven for the Celtics and Raptors. Who do you have? Well. I'm not even gonna ask that because yeah. already. <laughs> I think I don't even know. Like, I want the Celtics to to win because I got money on them. Mm-hmm. I I think the Celtics put them in a re- really really tough situation because, like like I said, like they 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 kind of let the Raptors get back into this game and they let them get get back into the series. They had many times to close the door yeah. and they just couldn't do it. And it kind of has me worried for Game Seven. I, I think I think we'll be fine if we get the same performance from Jalen Brown, Tatum, Smart. All we need is Kemba. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Kemba. All, like all I of said, them are going. They they can't stop them. Like like yeah. I said, when, Kemba. Like you said at work. Yeah. Yeah, Kemba. You, you will go as far as Kemba will take you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but. I I think the, uh, the bad sign about this game, 
about uh, the Celtics and Raptors going to seven games is that the Heat get a little bit more rest because well, let's just talk a little bit about the Heat about how they just freaking demolished the Bucks. Like it, I don't think the bubble is uh, was an issue here. I just think the Heat are a better team. Well, well, yeah. The, coming in, everybody said that they they thought the Heat was the Bucks kryptonite. And they were right. Bam, yeah. Bam played lights out. So did Jimmy. The whole, basically everybody. They had more shooting than than the Bucks. Like the Bucks yep. shooters just mm-hmm. went cold, and the Heat shooters just couldn't. Like freaking Tyler Hero, like coming to coming to the rescue, like being the hero. Like, how how did so many teams pass on this guy? No pun intended. Yeah. No. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I, I I I told you. That the Celtics were going to draft them, but we lost a coin flip. So uh, the Heat moved a pick in front of us, and mm-hmm. they picked them, which we were going to get. He yeah. would be so nice with us off the bench. Yeah, like oh man, that would. Be I would take him over huge. Carson Edwards any day. Like freaking. Hey 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 hey. <laughs> no Carson slander over here. Okay, whatever. I still love Carson. Yeah, freaking he's just, five foot nine. He's too short. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. I don't know. I like as I, I'm gonna. I'm I'm probably gonna get a little hate from you, but uh, with the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, no matter who wins Game Seven, I I like the Heat coming out of the East. I'll, I'll just say that. Like I I am gonna lose twenty. You no, know I'm gonna disagree. Yeah. I I'm gonna lose twenty bucks, but I, I I think because I think I lost. I think the guy lost that bet anyways because he had the bucks making the finals so i think that I oh think, so you got your 20 bucks yeah so well so. you have to so let's say we do win you have to look at it position by position who on that team is guarding tatum and brown uh jimmy butler on who and then and then i you you say he's I, gonna I, guard one of them yes and then jay crowder and iguodala mm-hmm. it, like those guys are sleepers they're like, but, well. I they're think, not gonna. Whoever they guard, they're not gonna clamp up them. Whoever they, guards Brown or Tatum, it's all about slowing. They're them down. not gonna get clamped up. It's all about. And they still have to slow down uh, Kemba. Who's gonna slow him down? Drogic. Um. Well, I, I don't know. It, it would be a see? good series. It, I would want to see. Is, yeah, exactly. I, I I hope so. Yeah. Did you know that it would be our first, our our third time? In four years, making the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. The, don't don't bring it up. <laughs> Why do you have to rub the salt in the wound? Why do you have to rub salt in the wound? I'm over here, freaking, just thinking about like what GM I'm gonna pick for for the Kings. Oh, then, since you brought it up, bring 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 up the the list of candidates. Uh, no, who, I don't want to. Would you want? Oh, I have to pull up a tab. You kill kill some dead air, like what, <laughs> what the, like freaking. Oh I, my I, my so my wife's tired. the same way. She's because she, um she was talking she was talking to me yesterday. So she was or well today she was messaging me at work. She was saying that she was nervous for me the entire game, and she she was like that too when we I think we it was two of the games we went to I think it was this year in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, when we played them, I was it this year where you guys beat us. At home, 
I think no, so, right? Because we, we beat you. We beat you at the TD Garden, I believe. No, no, no. Oh, opposite, opposite. You guys beat us here, and then uh, we beat you guys at home. I think the one that she was she was like sad about is when Gordon Hayward hit the game winner. Oh yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I remember that one. And Buddy was on Gordon Hayward yeah. and just couldn't defend mm-hmm. him. Uh, uh, get the little fadeaway. Oh, whatever. I remember that clearly. Whatever. <laughs> uh, so I guess we'll talk a little bit about like, like Trajan Langdon has already declined an opportunity to be a, a Kings GM. Uh, I didn't think he was going to come to Sacramento at all, but there's the Kings have announced a short list for their potential GM. Uh, and I believe it's always, it's like Calvin Booth with the Denver Nuggets. He's the Denver Nuggets GM. Uh, Adam Simon with the Heat. Uh, some Hawks GM. The guy that created uh, the NBA trade machine, which screw, screw that guy. Because <laughs> whoever created it, the, the guy that created the NBA trade machine, I think is like Sanjay Gupta or whatever whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh that just that guy just needs to on oh, the Tim the Timberwolves yeah Sa- Sachin Gupta yeah yeah uh, he he just needs to take that trade machine away because now everyone thinks that they're an NBA GM with that trade machine uh, <laughs> but I don't know like what do you think of the shortlist like it, I, I like it um, I it's, think if, it's not I, bad. I think if I were to pick one, which he's not coming to Sacramento, is Adam Simon. I I want some of that heat uh, culture coming to Sacramento. Like that that would be ideal. But Adam Simon, he he started with the Miami Heat as an intern, and he's worked his way up all the way to assistant general manager. Mm -hmm. And I don't see it's it's the same thing with the. like your assistant general manager with the Celtics, I, f- I forget his name. Um, yeah, we uh, were just Mark talking. Zarin. Mark yeah. Zarin. Mm-hmm. Uh Like you're not going to pull away someone no. that's been with a league, been with a team since since birth, pretty much. But uh, I think if I were to predict, I I, I would have to uh, I, I would have to say it would be like Calvin Booth. Or someone like the the Hawks GM or whatever. Like I mm-hmm. I could see that. And uh, at the same time, you have you have to think that the GM. It is this is a bad job. Do you agree or no? It's a tough situation. For the the current Kings situation. Yeah. I think like I've said this before. I think Vlade has left the team in a better situation than when he took it over. Mm-hmm. Because I agree with that. when he took it over, it was a mess because Pete D'Alessandro, like Pete D'Alessandro shouldn't have been hired in this situation because like from what, from what I heard, like I, I heard James Ham talk, uh, talk about the story of Pete D'Alessandro walking into Vivek's office with like a bunch of binders and saying, I have a plan. Like I have a five-year plan. And the great Jerry Reynolds has has said many, numerous times, any GM that says they have a five year plan m- means they have no plan. So, uh, it's 
I don't. Pete Delosandro just impressed people with like his lingo and just his being prepared. And but he just never. Uh, he he just he could never put put together put together a right team, and also just. I I don't know. I, well, we'll I, see what you guys do because do you guys have some pieces and you do have your pick, so maybe you could. Like you were talking about Buddy, if he doesn't want to come off the bench, maybe just trade him in the pick, get something good in return. Who knows? Yeah, I think we have the this draft. The Kings have numerous opportunities to move up in the draft. Yeah, I would, I would like to move up in the draft to possibly draft like a Devin Vassell. Mm-hmm. Like a Devin Devin Vassell would be like ideal for this team. Like it's he's a wing, and he 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 probably has. I think he has the best motor in this draft and like, he can be the, probably the best defender in this draft, but I don't see us moving up. I see us kind of staying put. And like, from what, from what I hear from like, from like uh, the Kings and like all the, all, all the writers that I'm like reading is that this Kings team mm-hmm. loves for um, uh, who's uh, Aaron Naismith. Mm-hmm. I think I think is his name, which is is not bad. Like if you're trying to get rid of Buddy Heald, like he's kind of a good Buddy Heald replacement. Like well, guy this guy's bigger too. Out. He's six yeah. six. He's a small four. Yeah, uh, but it's and his three point percentage fifty two percent. You can't. Oh man, you can't ask for better. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Uh, I. I like the the short list. I think Scott Perry, as much as I like Scott Perry, I think he hasn't really proven himself in New York. And I think picking Scott Perry to run the team, it would have been the safest pick ever just because he's been here before mm-hmm. and he knows the people. But seeing like this list of like new, new GMs uh, that are going to get interviewed – new potential GMs that are going to get interviewed is, is a good sign just because uh, I, I, whenever you interview, have um, people interview for a GM position, it gives like the Kings an opportunity to uh, see what outsiders think of your team. Like it doesn't mean that you're going to hire this person, but I think it's, it's good that like Vivek or Joe Dumars, We'll see, like, uh, we'll see what other people think of this team because when you're on the inside, you're you you obviously think like your players are the greatest and like you become really close to them. Yeah. So it's good to see like someone on the outside how they view this team. So yeah, to get their perspective on on things, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my dream scenario, like I I've said this before, is a uh, Trent Redden from 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 the Clippers. Like mm-hmm. he's he's a hometown kid. I think like they need to, they need to give this guy an interview. Like I think I think he's got a brilliant basketball mind. It would be a great story that someone coming back that went to Sheldon High School to like turn the Kings around. Like he he would be a hero. But I don't know. I think these are good GMs. It's just we'll we'll see who they pick. So yeah. But but yeah. Um, enough Kings talk. So it's they just depress me. Uh, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, I guess we'll move on to a little bit of video game talk. 
because uh, we ha- there's some s- let's just get right into Nvidia because okay. freaking Nvidia, I waited the perfect time to build a PC because of the freaking thirty seventy like yeah. four hundred dollars yeah for the thirty seventy it's, it's uh-huh. like it that that's crazy like, yeah so we're talking about it at work for a little bit um mm-hmm. that that card it's man it's basically the same as a 2080 ti for 500 dollars cheaper yeah it does everything the ti does and the ti is pro- probably one of the most expensive cards right now besides the titan but yeah that's I, you get your your money's worth on that to, to be honest like i would hate to be that person that just built their pc with a 2080 i'm like really <laughs> really nvidia which i understand why nvidia did something like this like i heard that they re- like received a lot of poor sales from the 2080 because mm-hmm. it was just so expensive so the, i would imagine they're that they're taking a loss on this graphics card but i i think they're going to make money more money in the long run yeah so they must have they must have gotten like a super sweet deal on like parts so I don't know. I'm I'm excited to build. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped. I I think so. Right now on my computer, I have a 2070 Super. Mm-hmm. So I think I might try to sell that and then try to get the other one. But I want to get this one first because I know they're gonna sell out like fast. Yeah. Uh. So let's hope that they can uh, meet the demand. Yeah. Because there's which, gonna be a lot of people asking for. I it. think that they will meet the demand just because it's uh. Like they obviously plan for this, for it to be super cheap. Uh, I I I don't know. I I I think they know it's gonna like sell fast. So hopefully that they will meet the demand. But yeah, yeah. finger fingers crossed, man. I cause yeah. I I want one of those bad yeah, boys. Yeah, I, I want one so bad. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm I'm super glad that I waited. Like I was like I I wanted to build a PC because I wasn't sure if I wanted uh, a next gen system. But knowing that the graphics card is this inexpensive and and seeing yep. the price of the Microsoft Series X at $500, it makes me have hope that maybe the, the, the PS5 will be a little bit cheaper. Well, the, well I'm hoping, I don't know if they're going to have the same thing, mm-hmm. to have a digital one. Well, you know, that's the, I think that's the, that's going to be, the it's going to be the trend this generation like this like this next generation mm-hmm. is that the reason why these consoles I, I i had like a theory i think my theory is correct is that microsoft is all in on game pass playstation is sort of all in on playstation now it's not really the same as game pass although it's kind of the same is that the reason why these consoles are so cheap is that they want you they want you to buy the box like here here give us 200 bucks buy the box and then don't uh, like it's going to be like phones like uh, uh, like so that's what consoles are going to be like it's like basically pay 200 bucks and then 50 dollars a month for two years so like is that like a future that you would want to like uh, subscribe to i'm not sure if i would uh, I don't, I don't know. That's iffy. Yeah, I, I, it's, 
I don't know. I like I've always liked owning my games, especially uh-huh. on a console. I think like uh like I obviously don't have the space like now, but it's just I I've always liked owning physical physical copies of games, well, but Well, I guess it's like a 50/50 because I I do like having games in in person. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can just um go to GameStop and get a game there. Mhm. But at the, at the same time, I I think it is good for for having them digital because then you don't have to go around looking for games. Like let's say you you lose it or something, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I want to play this game. I haven't played it in forever. Yeah. You just whip whip it out on on the digital, and it's right there. Right. Uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely well, a weird situation that we're gonna be in. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it turns out. Yeah, but see um, if it turns out all digital or whatnot. I'm not sure if I. I said this already but microsoft i think they announced it today or is it yesterday about the price I of the series it was x. yesterday but the price of the series x is going to be 4.99.99 mm-hmm. and then there's going to be a digital version which will be 2.99.99 so that obviously that digital version is going to come with game pass and you would subscribe to that and that's like is it is it 20 bucks or 20 bucks a month for game pass I think we talked about it before, right? Yeah, I think we did. So prepared. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's like twenty bucks a month, and they basically Game Pass. If you don't know already, Microsoft curates games, like and says like, "Oh, this game is on Game Pass. Go ahead and download it." Uh, probably one of the better deals in the entire gaming industry. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, I think. That was, I think, the one with the disk drive, I thought was going to be, I thought, like, it was going to be a little bit more expensive. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be, like, $600. Mm-hmm. So, seeing 500 like, I... Well, it might be, like, five, what, like, 540 or something? Yeah, 540 560 with a game. Yeah. But I I think that is a little bit more reach, uh, reachable, especially when these consoles are going to be coming out, like pretty soon and mm-hmm. especially when you're in a global pandemic and people have lost their jobs i think 499 is a little bit more reachable for some people i yeah. don't think you're going to be these these are going to be flying off shelves but it's not like microsoft is going to be like hey hey uh microsoft series uh the series x is eight hundred dollars uh give me your money and people are like hell no i just lost my job so <laughs> but yeah do you think that's a good price uh i do it because it, it's it's the bigger one too it's the one that looks like the wi-fi box yeah um basic uh or i i would like i think it was like the older imac that yeah older mac pro not, um, not and, the... and plus a so i think the the benefits of it is because consoles mostly have 60 fps this one mm-hmm. has 120 which is insane for yeah. a console yeah um i'm not even sure if I'll, I'll i'll get it just because microsoft hasn't really proven that they have the games yet no 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 it's ps5 all the way for me yeah um although no there's microsoft that, that i think this is xbox users i think this is a. Uh, a perfect opportunity for me to get on the Xbox One just because there is a lot of games this generation that I kind of missed out on. 
I like I I'm not I don't know about you, but like I owned a 360 and I played the shit out of Gears of War. Like Gears of War 2 and Gears of War 3. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I missed like I think like a couple of them. Yeah, like three Gears of War Gears of War games, it's mm-hmm. kind of uh, killing me inside a little bit. Like I was never a big Halo guy, but it was just Yeah, me neither. Uh, I, I but, get it because that's that's why I have I have both so I have an Xbox One and then I have a PS4 mm-hmm. because each each console has their games that you want to play. Yeah, I, it's just I, at the time I wasn't really like like into but like, like playing like the games that 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 I grew up with. But like um, I don't know, Gears of War Two is just so good. I fucking love. Uh, I think it's probably one of the better sequels to ever come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. I guess unless you have anything, something else to talk about. Oh, um, I guess sticking with I forgot. I totally skipped over this one because the Nvidia announcement was just so crazy. Uh, well, I, I don't think the list. I don't think the listeners know I'm a huge Nintendo fanboy. I it was it was before I got into PlayStation. It was. Um, 360 and uh and nintendo like gamecube wii uh wii u unfortunately (laughs) yeah i was part of the um but um nintendo had a direct the uh this last week um it's uh the 35 years of mario and they basically announced that super mario sunshine mario galaxy and uh i'm forgetting one Oh, Mario, Mario 64, 64. Yeah. Uh, is coming out on Switch for $60. So you get three games for $60. Uh, from what I've seen from the footage, it doesn't seem like they're up anything. It just seems like it's running in 60 frames and maybe they fixed some of the f- bugs of Mario Sunshine. Mario Sunshine is one of my... F- it's. I don't think it's my favorite Mario game, but it's totally an underrated game. Uh, uh, Mario game, uh, it's it's definitely up there. Mario Galaxy is hands down like probably the best game of that generation, mm-hmm. the best platform platformer. So I'm really glad that more people are going to be able to play that game. Uh, and then Mario sixty four obviously uh, is a classic. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, but um, what do you think about this announcement? Um, well, for me, I I don't I don't play. Um, nintendo a lot my mm-hmm. my wife she has a switch so mm-hmm. she'll she'll probably get it on there i used to play mario um what is it mario sunshine is that where he had the water thing on his back yeah but... yeah i used to play that one on i think on gamecube so that one was fun mm-hmm. um i think it's cool a, yeah a lot of it brings back a lot of i guess nostalgia for a lot of fans yeah that's basically that's what nintendo does they always bring back the nostalgia uh, but they also announced uh, Super Mario uh, 35, which if you uh, if Switch owners know that Tetris 99 is free right now, uh, so Super Mario 35 is basically te- Tetris 99 with a Mario skin, where you basically compete with 35 other Mario players, and you throw power up to each other to like mess them up. And the last person to survive wins. So it's like a Super Mario Battle Royale, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, I thought Tetris Battle Royale was super interesting and unique. It got super hard, especially when people started 
cheating the system. They mm -hmm. need they need to stop the hackers. Nintendo needs to like freaking uh, put put a stop to the hackers of Tetris 99. But other than that, it's still a pretty good battle royale game. Uh, but the one downside with like this Mario uh, anniversary collection and like the the Super Mario Battle Royale is that it's only available for a limited time the digital version and the retail version. So I think it, it's available through the end of this year and then it's going away next year, which is kind of messed up, but that's what Nintendo does. They usually have limited editions for, for stuff and it's, it's most likely gone. So uh, I think it's a little weird that the digital version is limited time because it seems like unless they're running out of like, space on the eShop, which mm -hmm. that would totally make sense for Nintendo. Oh yeah, so it says it'll launch on October 1st and be playable until March 31st, 2021. Mm -hmm. So, it's it's a little weird that that that's a thing, but I don't know. You gotta, you gotta play it as much as you can then. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a total Nintendo move. Especially, <laughs> like, Nintendo is very restrictive with their online and maybe their servers can't handle it uh but yeah um that's all i pretty much have unless uh you have something else you want to bring up no i think that's it and then i guess we can uh talk about our weekly recommendations yep it, uh you want to go first yeah um so mine this week is uh fortnite chapter two season four so mm -hmm. it's if the listeners i don't know if they play fortnite um I've been playing since it first came out, but nowadays it, it's gone like super competitive. It's still fun at the same time. Like me, I'm 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 okay. I'm not the best. I have my moments, but mm -hmm. this season I like the most because it's Marvel based, and I I love superheroes. Yeah. Uh, so they all they include Iron Man, Thor, uh, She Hulk, Groot, uh, Doctor Doom, Storm, uh, Wolverine. Uh, a lot of them, um, and it, it's cool. You get to use their powers in there and stuff, and it's it's one of my favorite seasons so far. Yeah, um, I think the thing I'm not into Fortnite at all. Like, I like battle royale games when they're super unique, mm -hmm. and I'll get into my rec weekly rec recommendation. Uh, it's also a battle royale game, but I'll talk a little bit about Fortnite. Is that I think it's super cool what what Epic is doing with Fortnite, like when they do like concerts inside. Yeah, and like I think did they didn't they show a movie inside Fortnite? Yeah, they they showed um what was what was Christopher Christopher Nolan's other movie? Uh, Inception was it? Yeah, Inception? I think they showed that one in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I just think that's super cool. It's like they Epic obviously wants this to be like um they want it to be like a like um like a Second Life but better, but. I'm, yeah, I, I don't I, know. Yeah, it's just I, I I like it when when game designers like use their games for other things besides like its original purpose. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I don't know. I thought it was cool, uh, but I'll have to I'll have to re-download Fortnite to see like this all the all the Marvel stuff because I yeah. think cool. I want to see like all the all the all the art. But yeah, uh, but yeah. Anything else? No, it's been about two weeks. So. <laughs> I, th I think that's it. Yeah, just Fortnite for two weeks, really. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't have another one. Um, I'll 
I'll think of one while you're talking. Okay. Uh, but yeah, um, what I, my weekly recommendation that I've been playing uh, Fall Guys. You actually got me on this one. Uh, Fall Guys is the best game to come out this year. Like it's the, it's the game we all need because it's it's not nec- it's battle royale, but it's it, it it reminds me of Wipeout, just like the style of it, and like all the characters are like super cute and just I, it's. It also stresses me out in a really weird way. Like in some of the games where I think it's, uh, I forget the name of it, but the the door game where you have to choose. Well, I'll explain what Fall Guys is. Fall Guys is basically, it's like Wipeout, but you you compete with 60 other players and whoever makes it to the end uh, is deemed a winner. And so you go through all these different types of games. And so one of the games is this door game where you have to go through the real door and all these other ones are fake. So it's super, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting strategy because you want to hang back, but you don't want to hang completely back because once that one person finds the real door, you, it's basically like a gang. Like, yeah. like I can't like, like everyone just go rushes. Through it. mm-hmm. It's 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 really crazy, and I got st- it's it's just super stressful. It it, it kind of reminds me the way that people rush like the actual door. It kind of reminds me like or makes me worried about like if there's a vaccine for COVID nineteen, like that's how people are going to react, just rushing and just beating each other up and just like yeah, it was like it's like let me have it and stuff like that. But, uh, but other than that, like Fall Guys, is, it's it's such a delight, delightful game, and it's kind of the perfect battle royale, battle royale game for me. Like mm-hmm. I've tried getting into Warzone and Fortnite, but it's just not my cup of tea. But Fall Fall Guys is just it, it's so good. You you've been playing it too, right? Um, yeah, I haven't in in a couple weeks, but it, it is a fun game. I like it. I've came super close to winning like so many times but it's i don't know it's just it's tough at the same time but it it is fun it's it's unique yeah it's it's one of a kind i think the the problem if i were to say there's if there's one problem with fall guys is that it is a season pass game so i think that unless they have like newer levels that they're gonna announce like like every season I can kind yeah. of see the season pass getting a little stale. Like, uh, I don't... well, there. So I was telling, like, I was. I don't know if I told you at work. So they're gonna do a, a new season. It's gonna be medieval mm-hmm. for season yeah, two. You, you told me about that one. I think that, like, it's all gonna be cosmetic, right? It's not really that. Well, they're gonna update the map, so it's gonna be all different map too. So it's mm-hmm. gonna be different levels. Uh, I could see. So it could kind of be like a. a well, you don't play Switch, but it's kind of like Splatoon in mm-hmm. a way. Splatoon, like they announce new maps like every single day. Um, uh, and it's, I don't know. It's, I think it might be, yeah, similar to that. They're just going to update the map every every season, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to, to see To make it they, feel fresh. I'm excited to see what they do with it uh, because it's definitely something fresh. I've, like I've never seen something like this, and that's why I consider it one of the better games to come out this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, 
uh, I guess. I do have one more recommendation. Yeah. So I watched the movie yesterday. It's on Netflix. It's called Hashtag Alive. Oh, I seen I seen this. I think I have it in my queue. So you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Oh uh, man, you should watch it. It's I, especially for me because I I love zombie movies mm-hmm. and zombie shows and stuff. It's good. It's it's a Korean movie, so I don't know if if you guys like subtitles or whatnot. But it's it's super good. It's interesting. I'll I'll, I'll have to check it out. Like what? Yeah, what, it's, what's it about? It's, uh, so it's it's basically this this virus, the zombie virus that hits Korea. And this guy, he's he's a streamer kind of. So oh, he's like in this apartment. Streamer? Yeah, he, I think he was playing uh, PUBG in, during the movie. And he wakes up one day. Uh, the the people ask him on his on his stream and his friends he's talking to if he's seen the news, and he says no. So he checks out the news and he sees that the virus stuff is going on, and he looks outside and it's like a pandemic going crazy and he just has to survive oh so it's basically what we're living in in 2020 yeah without the zombie virus uh, well that, that we know of yeah <laughs> it is, but it, it is a, okay it, i don't see any zombies okay. it, it is a good movie you, you should check it out yeah i'll, I'll have to check it out i uh, need to start so many movies on my netflix queue like i've really just been re-watching the office and the good place but yeah that's another I'm, weekly that's another recommendation everyone needs to go watch the good place like that show is one of the better nbc shows to come out in the last decade mm-hmm. uh it's one of my favorite shows freaking freaking love ted danson uh, uh Kristen bell uh I won't give away much of the premise. Let's just say that Kristen Bell dies and she goes to heaven, and I'll just say that. So, and she goes to the, the good place. So, but uh, yeah, and uh, Ted Danson is her guardian angel, quote unquote. But yeah, <laughs> have you seen the good place? I have not. It's it's so good. You need to watch it. It's it's such a funny show. It's 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 one of my favorites. Uh, what is it about? Well, I just, I just, I just said. It's the architect. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good, uh, and I love Kristen Bell too. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I guess another rec- rec- recommendation is I'm continuing to play Last of Us Two. I really suck at beating games. <laughs> like you've already beaten Last of Us Two, and you keep telling me to push through it, yeah. saying that the ending is. It's good. It's, it's really good. I just, I don't know. And it, it's just so long. I know. Like, it's, it's, it's worth it, though, man. It, I, once I, once I, I finished it, I I didn't have anything to play because I wasn't playing Fortnite at the time because mm-hmm. none of my friends were playing it. Yeah. So me and my wife were, like, going crazy because we didn't know what to play. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just take your time with it. it it's worth it. Yeah. Um. I'll I'll, I'll get to there. I'll get there eventually. Um, I'll, I'll I'll promise the listeners by November third, election day, I will beat Last of Us two, because chances are on election day we probably won't be here anymore. <laughs> so, so on that note, I guess uh, that ends episode ten of the Water Cooler Podcast. Yes. Uh, and remember what to wear you guys' mask. Too. Yeah, wear your wear your mask. Uh, uh, register to vote. Uh, vote. 
let your voice be heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Just let your voice be heard because uh, yeah. Um, I do want to add one more thing. Uh, Since it's been a couple weeks since we recorded, uh, I've, I've done an interview with uh, Deuce Mason, Deuce Mason of uh, the Deuce and Mo podcast. So closing out this podcast, it will be the interview that I had with him. Uh, We kind of talk about his career and stuff like that. So Hope you guys enjoy it. This is going to be a longer episode than usual, but since you guys waited two weeks, I think you guys deserve it. Like, and I, I do want to add one more thing before you end. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, me and my friend, we we made a football podcast. Oh yeah, so, so, totally so about that. Yeah. <laughs> so so check us out. It's uh it's called Halftime Huddle. It should be in the same page as the water cooler because it's yeah. going to be under the same system. Yeah. So just check us out. Um, we're, we our first episode's out. Uh, give us feedback, and we should record every every Saturday. Yeah, uh, I listen to it. It's definitely. I'm, I'm glad to have a football podcast on on this uh, on this feed. Uh, hopefully, I can I can get into football this season. So I'm gonna hopefully watch the game today. So because <laughs> we're recording this on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and getting us to ten episodes. It's kind of I guess this is a milestone. We're, yeah, we're in double digits now yeah. uh so uh please rate and review the podcast on itunes follow us on spotify uh follow us on twitter uh at jerryvia9 for jerry and then at m silverbrand uh, uh if you want uh subscribe to the podcast at 99 cents a month you don't have to uh thank you jerry's wife for doing that so so far she's the only one but uh uh, no pressure uh, yeah no No pressure pressure. but yeah it'll it'll help us in the long run yeah but we do appreciate you guys listening yeah um exactly uh but yeah uh closing out the podcast is the deuce and mason interview hope you enjoy it thank you for listening to the water cooler podcast we'll be taking a quick break to mention one of our sponsors If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Anchor has everything you need to jumpstart your podcast all in one place. They have creation tools that help you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor will help distribute your podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and many more platforms. The best part about it, it's free. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Water Cooler Podcast. My name is Marley Silverbrand, and I'll be your host today. And today I got a special guest today. Uh, he's pretty much a local sub- celebrity around the Sacramento, California. He's traveled all around doing uh, Good Day Sacramento morning show for Sacramento. He's a play-by-play guy for your Stockton Kings. And he is one half, or depending on who you talk to, probably three-fourths of the Deuce and Mo podcast. Uh, d- thank you for joining me today, Deuce Mason. How are you doing today? Arley, I appreciate the intro. Celebrity? No. <laughs> I think Dude. you're a celebrity. I've been following you for a really long time, so it's an incredible yeah. honor to have you on the Water Cooler podcast. Oh, dude, you're, you're, you're so funny. Yeah, I always like talking <laughs> sports and uh, obviously you have your own podcast and I dig podcasts. So it's a fun, 
it's always a fun time to hop on someone's podcast and just talk. It's right. comfortable, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Especially in these un- uh, unforeseen times of global pandemic, racial injustice. Just it's good to just talk to someone about sports or just talking in general. Uh, whether <laughs> even though it's on Zoom, but but yeah, I always leave the podcast with like since we're kind of like I said we're in unforeseen times. I always like to lead off with like how you, how are you doing today? Like is is your is your sanity there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, all things considered, my life is good. It's weird times for everybody right now, um, but I'm healthy at the moment. Um, got a roof over my head. We've got playoffs going on. It, it could be a lot worse. Um, with that said, obviously, like everyone's impacted mentally by what's happening in our world, whether you mentioned it, the, the social um, injustice that we have. Uh, the the coronavirus still taking over this country. Um, there's just a lot going on, and, and it's tough right now. So it is nice to have a couple of hours a night, especially with NBA playoff basketball, where you can just kind of get away and just watch sports again. It is a little bit of an escape from all the chaos that surrounds us. Yeah, especially like the games last night. Did you did did you did you watch the craziness of the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Rockets game? <sighs> yes, I, I, did. I did. I know you people could probably catch that on the Deuce and Mo podcast, which they should every morning at six a.m. Am I correct on that one? Look, so we we typically <laughs> go live at six a.m. We 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 do four podcasts a week, and they usually come up around then, unless we do a recorded interview like we did. We released one today with ESPN Sarah Spain, which was awesome. We actually recorded that about a week ago, but with everything going on, it just didn't feel right to release it. So we released it now. But yeah, I was watching the games last night. And look, anytime you get a game seven, you want it to be close. I didn't, I, it was not a fun close, though, right? Because both games, we're talking about the officiating late in games, and that's always frustrating. Yeah, it's it, officiating has always been frustrating, especially in the bubble. And I, I, think just games have been called super close and I believe it was actually Doris Burke and I've mentioned on a later episode uh, earlier episode of the water cooler podcast too is that with no fans in the building that means the officials can hear uh fouls a lot better so I wonder if that is uh, the reason why like we're getting like all these chintzy fouls just being called and stuff like that but what do you think about that well, I'll say this about officials. I actually defend them a lot because mm-hmm. w- their job is way, way difficult. I mean, we sometimes we'll watch a replay. I'm sure you do the same thing. They put a replay on it slow-mo, and we're like, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. It's like, yeah, but they have to make this call in real time. The game's faster than ever, and I understand they sign up for the job. I'm not trying to act like they're victims here, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think fans, media players, coaches, everyone gives these – officials enough credit for what they do like the majority of the time they get the calls right and sometimes I see a replay and I go I don't know how they got that right when I was watching I did not see that at all but they they do a really good job overall I think they make some mistakes and they're going to make mistakes they're humans and we pile on them all the time and I'm like do we get this mad when a player doesn't execute a play this way like think about the fact of everything the officials have to deal with they're going up and down the court it's physical you got to be quick you have to blow the whistle you have to make the right call and oh by the way everyone on the court hates you the coaches are yelling at you the one thing that they have going to, with them right now is the fact that they don't have fans so they don't have to deal with the you know the fan emotion side of it 
overall, I think the officials do a good job, but I thought last night they were part of the show. And that's what you don't, you don't want people to be talking about Scott Foster after a game or Mark Davis. And that, that's kind of what was happening. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's super frustrating. Although I, I will agree with you. I think out of all the uh, major sports, I think the NBA probably has some of the better officials. Like they, like, like you said, like these officials have to like make crucial calls and like, half second or even like uh quicker like situations so like i i feel like baseball it's a little bit more uh they have a little bit more leeway like when to make a call and stuff like that and like especially with strike zone like their the strike zone differs for each player so it's right I, i feel like they're uh they have a little bit more leeway there uh but yeah enough about officials let's talk about uh deuce mason (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sure. But, um, but uh, let's uh, just give us a give us your background. Like I gave him a little bit of background in the intro, but like, how did you get started in, in like this industry? I knew at a pretty young age that I wanted to do something in media. I didn't know what it was, but I mean, I mean, really young. Like we're talking about like five, six years old. I just had this obsess obsession with listening to the radio you know, listening or watching TV. I was like obsessed. I I looked at like the people on the news as celebrities. So the people on the radio, the DJs as celebrities. And then later, you know, I started falling in love with sports and I was like, I just want to be around sports. And when it really came to the point where like, yo, this is what I want to do. I was probably in middle school, like seventh, eighth grade. And the Kings were at their height, right? Like this is the early 2000s. The Kings are the best team in the NBA at the time. They're playing an exciting brand. And I just wanted to be a part of it. Like when you're 12, 13 years old and the Kings are playing this style of basketball and they're winning, there's so much excitement in the town. You want to consume everything. And at the time, you know, the internet's just starting to get big and there's message boards. And I was obsessed. I would be posting on a Kings message board that's no longer around called kingstalk.com. And I mean, I was obsessed. So I was doing everything I could just to talk about the NBA. I would launch my own website at one point that went nowhere, but it was just me typing articles. But whatever it was, I just was obsessed with the NBA. And my goal was like, I need to go find a job at a radio station. Like I need to figure it out. I was listening to the KHGK all the time as a kid, growing up on it. I'd call in every once in a while. And when I was like 15 years old, I was still on that message board and I had heard that someone on the message board knew someone at the radio station at KCK. And I was like, Hey, help me out. I'll do anything. Like, I don't care. I'll clean the toilets. I just want to be in the building. Let me intern. And you know, they don't allow 15, 16 year olds to get internships because you have to be in college. You got to be 18. Well, I got really lucky. They decided, Hey, you can come on, come in and shadow, like come in, And I was like 16 years old at the time, maybe 15 and a half, 16 years old in high school. And they said, hey, you can come in. You could just sit there, be quiet, don't annoy anyone, and we'll see where this goes. Well, KHK had a nine to midnight show at the time, hosted by this guy named Tim Montemayor. Behind the scenes, there's a guy who now works in San Francisco named John Dickinson. And I just kind of soaked it all in. And it kind of started with me just sitting there. Then I started screening phone calls. So anytime a call would come in, I'd be the guy answering it, figuring out what they're talking about, where they're from, and then putting it on. And then it, they gave me more responsibility. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, here's some phone numbers. Try to book this guest. Well, I'm like 16, 17 years old. I'm, now it seems like, okay, so I'm going to be here a while. So I'm just going in pretty much after school. It went from doing the night to midnight thing to then it was seven to midnight. Then I was doing like four to midnight where I would just... I didn't care. I wanted to go to school, 
get out, go right to the radio station. And I did that. And, you know, I, I, I just gained a lot. And a lot of it was because I was just sitting back and watching how things are done. I was watching how, um, the, the great things that people did behind the scenes and on air and some of the bad things. I was just trying to soak it all in. And eventually I learned how to run the soundboard, which is, uh, the, the board that controls all the mics and the music and all that stuff. And by the time I was graduating high school in 2006, 17 years old, they're like, hey, I, I, there might be a spot for you. So I graduate from high school. I go on this trip to Europe, 18 years old. And right before I went to that trip, they told me like, hey, we got a spot for you part-time behind the scenes running the board. So I go to Europe for three weeks. I come back and literally the next day, I, it was my first day at KHGK getting paid there as a part-time board op. And from there, I just kind of worked my way up. That, that's crazy. That's absolutely incredible. Like at 18, like you, you started working at Cage to K. Yeah. And <laughs> it was one of those things like I was still, so, you know, I'm local. I grew, I grew up in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Del Campo and then I went to American River for two years and I was still working at the station and then transferred to Sac State. And when I was 20, yeah, so two years in, just I was pretty much at that point, just any hours that they would give me, I would work. So if I, w- I would pretty much work every weekend and then pick up hours along the way, I would run a lot of the Kings games behind the scenes, the Kings radio broadcast. I would be the guy with commercials doing all the technical stuff. And then, you know, I'd fill in as a producer if uh, someone's pr- producer was not there. I'd fill in and try to book guests. I, I would do anything. I would not say no to anything. And Look, I, I, had, I was young. I didn't have kids. I didn't have responsibility to me. This was my life. This is what I was going to try to chase. So um, I just kept doing that. And when I, w- I was 20, working at KSGK, like I said, going to school, and one of uh, a, a full-time position became available on the Rise Guys morning show behind the scenes as a board op because the board op was leaving. So they asked me if I wanted it. So I went, hell yeah. And that was awesome because not only did I become full-time, but I'm 20 years old, working full-time at a radio station in my hometown, going to school, trying to get my degree. And then I got to work with so many talented people at the Rise Guys because Whitey Gleason was on that show, Mark Kreidler, Phantom, Little Joe. And I just, I gained so much from just being around them. And um, it was a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Um, it was It was a great time. And then a couple of years into that, the Rise guys got an opportunity to go to a new station in San Francisco and they wanted me to be their producer down there. So I interviewed for that position, got that position and went to San Francisco and produced their show for a year. I probably wasn't completely ready and mentally I had a girlfriend at the time back home. I was distracted, all this stuff. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to move back to Sacramento which was super risky at the time. A lot of people said that you're an idiot. You just went to the number four media market in the country and then you just leave. But ultimately, I didn't know at the time, it was the best decision I ever made. I came back to Sacramento without a job and eventually landed back at KHDK, kind of worked my way up again, but it led to me getting on-air uh, time and then it kind of went from there. And that, the on-air time, uh, I'm assuming, would be the Deuce, Deuce and Mo show because before well, it was the podcast, it was the Deuce and a uh, no. radio show. So I was doing, uh, before I went to 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, I was doing some like weekend shows mm-hmm. with people and I'd fill in. 
uh, every once in a while, like the afternoon show. And then, so I got some touches, like I was like, cool, this is what I want, some touches. And then once I came back, um, I got some more touches and they, they actually had me with Jason Ross had just started a new show there and they had me running his show with him. And so it kind of evolved where I was kind of his co-host. And this was in the time where it looked like the Kings were maybe moving to Seattle. It was chaotic. It was emotional. We had no idea what the hell was going to happen because if the Kings left, like KHGK would not be around, like it was going to be a mess, right? Like they're not. So, uh, whatever what that ride that journey of the fight to save the kings was so big and it really i established my voice on air during that time with jason ross and during that time i actually met morgan she was interning at news 10 and you know we i got to know her at kings games and eventually i was like you, you should try sports radio like you're learning this tv side come sports radio become an intern like learn so she started interning and then we started giving her voice uh, giving her a voice on the show, and it was it was working. Um, a couple of months l- later, the station made some changes, took that show off the air, and so for like three months, I was kind of floating. I'm just like, okay, I don't know. I, I, they kept me around because they said they heard a lot of good things about me, like the new people. But they they're shuffling some new things. They put a new morning show, and they moved the other morning show to middays, which took us off the air because we we're doing noon to three. So I'm just floating. I'm like, what the hell is going to happen? Meanwhile, the Kings had an opening for a radio producer job. I wanted it bad. So I'm like, okay, I, I got to figure something out. I'm not really making much money right now. I want that Kings job. And then I find out that the, uh, the Kings are going to hire someone else for that position. Well, what's crazy, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling here, but there's oh, a lot. Fine. Here. This, Go ahead. Like, this, Go ahead. <laughs> this stretch of my career is crazy because again, I'm not doing anything really at KGK besides like helping out any way I can, not making a lot of money. So I, the Kings radio things open. I'm like, I'm going to go get it. Like I'm qualified. Like I'm totally going to get this job. Well, the person hiring that at the time, uh, for that position at the time decided that they were going to go somewhere else with the position. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, Really? Well, the person who made that decision to hire someone else got let go like the next day, right when they were going to finalize something potentially with the person as a radio producer. So he got let go. They reopened it. And I got, I interviewed again and I ended up getting the job as a Kings radio producer. And so I went from like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like I'm losing out on this job. Now I have an opportunity and I get that. So I get that job in my first week as King's producer, and I'm still working at KHK, I'm kind of doing both. Mm-hmm. I get called in by some bosses at, at the radio station. They're like, hey, like, we're going to make some changes. Um, how, how does it sound like if you host your own show with Jason Ross and Morgan? I'm like, what? Yeah. So I go from floating to all of a sudden now I'm the King's radio producer, and now I'm hosting middays with Jason and Morgan. And that was so much fun. It was crazy. I went from not knowing where I was going in my career to like, wow, I've got something cooking here. My hard work is paying off. Mm-hmm. So we did that show and it was, it had a lot of success and we had a lot of fun. I mean, people still hit us up about that show today and it's been like six, five, six years since we've done that show. Well, at the time there was another morning show on and it was struggling. It was not clicking. They call us in again and they're like, Hey, like we're thinking about breaking up your show. We're going to put you in Morgan in the morning with Carmichael Dave. And it was, it was definitely mixed emotions um, because I thought 
we had the most amazing show middays and we did we had the chemistry we it was a great balance of sports and fun all that stuff but the bosses made a decision to break it up put me and morgan with dave in the morning and then jason was doing his thing with a couple other people and our, the chemistry with dave just wasn't that it just didn't work it did not work and ultimately on april 1st 2016 the program director at the time, who's by the way, no longer in the business, uh, <laughs> elected to let me and Morgan go. So that was, that was tough because again, I had been around KHGK in my, pretty much my entire career, except one year and I got let go. So once that happened, me and Morgan said, all right, like, what are we going to do? We're not going to sit here, complain. We're not going to bitch. We're not going to, we're just going to dust ourselves off and like, let's figure this out. What do we want to do? Let's launch a podcast. So we did that. And that's kind of where the career went from there. Yeah, that that's you. You definitely have like the corporate structure, uh, like life. Basically, you, you started from nothing. Then you, you then you got your own show. Then they took it away. It's just like it's incredible. Like your story through of uh, being a radio personality and just producer. Uh, but you you mentioned that you started like you always wanted to be like in radio or TV. Uh, since you're like six years old like my question there is like my uncle he's done several uh he works for cbs up in eureka and he he's always he he told me he always had like 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 in his room he'd make his own little uh uh like radio show or tv tv show in his room did you ever have that yeah i would definitely i would definitely record myself calling king's games and i would do mock sports radio shows and at the time you know i thought <clears throat> excuse me sports radio was like you gotta yell hot takes you know all that stuff mm-hmm. so it's completely different than i am today but uh yeah i would totally do that i totally practice because that was my way my mom used to like walk in my room and i would be calling games like, mom get out i'm trying to like i'm trying to do a broadcast here so yeah it was it was definitely something i just wanted so freaking bad and the journey continues right um uh- uh, so, so the Stockton Kings play-by-play position, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little interested how you got that. Did, like, did you just apply or? Well, once I found out that the Reno Bighorns were relocating to Stockton, I was like, I know they do play-by-play. Like, I, I, I've, and that's probably one mistake I made early in my career is I, I've always wanted to do play-by-play. I just didn't do it. You know, I was doing, I was doing radio shows. I was just mm-hmm. pursuing other things at the time. And I was like, man, this could be a great developmental opportunity for me. Like, this is the G League. This is where players go to get better. I could do this. I I knew I could do it. So I reached out to some people with the Kings and told them I'm interested. Didn't hear anything for a couple of months. And then I finally did that. Hey, let's chat. So I talked to them. I did the interview. And they were willing to give me a chance. And so, um, and then Morgan was a natural fit to be a color analyst. She played, she played some JC ball. She, we have great chemistry. So they put us together and I mean, it's been awesome. You know, I, I've never, that was my first time doing play by play in my life professionally, you know what I mean? Besides being on the couch mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I had some bumps early, but I can tell you I'm much better now than I was when I first started. And I've definitely improved. And I take it very serious. Uh, seriously, I go back, I listen to my, uh, games. I, I make adjustments. I talk to people in the business, get feedback. So um, I know I can, I could still get better, but I love doing it. 
I absolutely love doing. I can't wait for games to come back to, 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 to do more of that. And, you know, that's the one thing I've been in this business. Everyone thinks there's like, I get asked by young people all the time, like, well, what, how do you do it? What's the roadmap? I'm like, there's no roadmap because everyone's story is different. My story is different. Most people don't get a call G League play-by-play um, when they haven't done play-by-play professionally before. I, why did I get that opportunity? Well, I've established myself on air. Like, so they knew I was capable of doing stuff on air. I'm involved in sports. I've done some TV and also because they know who I am, right? Like I've built relationships where people know what I'm about, not only as a person, but my work ethic and what I'm about. They know I'm going to put the work in. So, um, there's definitely luck involved, but it's also the hard work that, that does pay off. It's the same thing with good day Sacramento we got let go from radio and the next week I got a call from good day Sacramento asking if I wanted to try out doing some TV. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, I okay, good day. Sacramento was another show. I was obsessed with growing up. I used to, as a little kid, what I would do, not only would I call radio DJs to try to t- just talk to them. I would call, I'd look up good day Sacramento's number and I would call to try to talk with Mark S Allen, who was at good day Sacramento at the time. And the sports guy there, Gary Gelfand. And I would call randomly an operator would transfer me and they'd like hop on the phone and here's a little seven, eight year old deuce going, um, hi, I'm just a big fan. You know what I mean? And yeah. <laughs> I, I was just obsessed with it. So when good day call, I'm like, yeah, I'll try it out. So I did a tryout. They, and they put me on and look, I know there are some people there at first that were like, I, this is a joke. Like we're putting some sports radio guy on doing TV. But I think once they saw what it was about, like, and I was going to, I'm not coming in there with some big ego. I'm going to come in. I'm going to work hard. I know I'm going to need to grow. I'm going to pick people's brains. Like I'm going to do a good job. And they, they liked me a lot there. And it was, it was a great opportunity there. Um, and the, the main reason I decided to leave was because the Kings wanted to expand my role. And that's, that's what I ultimately did. I, I think the most important thing to like take from like your story and what I tell people all the time is like, like I've worked with a lot of people like around Sacramento, like, uh, producing and like just working with like artists is just is just soak it in like uh, what I tell like people like younger than me too that like want to do like media production or even just uh, create a podcast it's like you you can't you can't say you never like you never made it if you never started I think that's like the most like the most important thing and like what I find inspiring about your your story is that like you getting let go from KHDK like uh like you didn't say oh I guess I'm done here I guess I'll just go work at Trader Joe's or something like that on Folsom Boulevard you're like no I'm gonna get up I'm gonna like dust myself off I'm gonna get straight back up and I find that incredibly inspiring. I appreciate that I mean that's just my mindset because that's how much this business means to me. It's how much I love it. It's not a job to me. Um, I'm willing to grind and put in the work to get where I want to get. And, you know, I want to last forever in this business. Um, it's just fun. And it's a grind. I tell everyone, look, it is a grind. And there's going to be times you question things and go, okay, should I just go find a normal nine to five job? But for me, I, every time I'm, whether it's a podcast, whether it's calling a game or whether it's the King's radio broadcast, whatever it is, it brings me such great joy. And, you know, growing up, my, my life was, was rough growing up. My dad was in prison most of my life and now prison, we grew up pretty poor. And so for me, this was my, my mindset was like, I don't want to live a life like this. I want to figure out a way to find a passion. And my passion was pursuing a career in media. And it's a never ending thing. Like I've got a lot to learn and I embrace that. I think as you get older, you start going, 
Yeah, I'm comfortable with the idea that I don't know everything and that I still have room to grow. And I just want to grind and get there. And that, that's always been my goal is to create a better life for myself than I did when I, than I had to experience when I was growing up. And um, so far, it's, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, uh, I think like, like I, you were possibly like one of the like, reasons like I started watching Stockton Kings games. Wow. Like, I really enjoy <laughs> yeah. like your play-by-play. And Thank you. This might get a little controversial, but uh, like the Sacramento Kings have like a play-by-play like announcer available. I am t- like I know I have no poll on who they hire, <laughs> but I don't know how many letters I will I, I'm gonna write to the Kings and just say you gotta hire Deuce Mason. Well, and- I I appreciate that. That's that, that means a lot. Seriously, I mean, uh, right away for sure. Right, <laughs> right away. Um, look, I, I've and I've talked to other people about this too. Obviously, I'm interested in that position. I have zero idea what they're gonna do with that position. The reality is I understand where I'm at. Like I've been doing play by play for two years. My journey's different. I have zero doubt that I could do that job tomorrow. Be paired with Doug Christie, have incredible chemistry. I'm, I, I'm very close with Doug. We talk a lot. I would love to grow into that position and do that job. It, it just, it's my hometown team. I grew up here. I understand the community. I understand it's bigger than basketball. There's so many things, uh, so many aspects that just excite me about it. The reality is, even if they go another direction, it's not going to deter me from pursuing this. Like, look, it's one of 30 jobs in the NBA. There are so many talented broadcasters that aren't in the NBA who are trying to get into broadcasting or people who are in the NBA already who could do that job. It's competitive. It's, again, one of 30 jobs. So no matter what happens with it, it's not going to change my goals. It's not going to change what I do. Yeah. I, I just, I'm just saying, like, the Kings should definitely look at your resume. <laughs> like, it's like you, you do play by play for the Stockton Kings. It's like the Stockton Kings make, get promotions like all the time. It's like, why not the broadcast team? But I'll, I'll get off my soapbox there. Uh, I appreciate the yeah. support. No, that means a lot. Seriously. Uh, the, the, I think the only, the only uh, downside that I have of you getting the Kings job is that you would, you would, you would be breaking up uh, Deuce and Moe. Because as much I, as much as I love Doug Christie, I would just want you guys like on the sideline call, calling Kings games. Well, let's be honest. Why not have Morgan? Let's do a three-person booth. Have Morgan with Doug. I don't know. I don't know what idea. I mean, sure, have her. I mean, look, we have, we have tremendous chemistry. I've worked with her for a long time now from radio. She worked at Good Day Sacramento too, the same time I did the podcast, Stockton King. So we're around each other a lot. I think she's so talented, and it's been so fun to see her grow in her career and feel more empowered than ever. You know, it's not easy to be a female in this industry, especially a male dominated industry. It's getting a lot better. But like we talked about with Sarah Spain on our podcast, like women always have to like, for whatever reason, prove their knowledge, you know, that, and it's, it's stuff that men don't have to do in this business. And so it's not easy, but I know she draws great inspiration from a lot of people in the business. Doris Burke, as you mentioned, Doris earlier in our conversation, but there, there's so many awesome, strong, knowledgeable women who are making a big impact in broadcasting and having bigger voices. And it's good to see. And, and Morgan's, in my opinion, a part of that. Yeah, I think it's super frustrating that just women just have to try, not just in sports, but just like in, in the world we live in today, they have to try so much harder than men just yeah. because it's like, 
it, it's like it's a like you said it's a male dominated like area like sports it's like you it, it, it's just expected for men to like sports but it's like I hope eventually we'll be able to grow out of that. But uh, I think Morgan definitely is paving the way, at least in Sacramento. Yeah. I, I mean, she's doing a great, just to see her growth to me is, is been really fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but like you said that um, like the play by play job is like, there's one in 30 yeah. like, teams. It's just uh, that's if you were to pick like any team, like to do play by play with like I know it would be the Kings but let's just take that out of it like wh- which team would you would you would you call for that has like the most history hmm. you know I, I've told this to people and I know it sounds like a cop out but legitimately I would do any team any NBA team <laughs> TV play by play like there's zero doubt in my mind I mean it's yeah. just again it's one of 30 mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, obviously, Sacramento would be number one, right? Because it's my hometown team. But after that, I don't care because the, the job is, it's not about me. It's about the team and storytelling and calling basketball. Like, I don't, even when I call Stockton games, I mean, you've probably heard me enough now. You said you watched the broadcast. Like, I get excited for the other team just as much as I get excited for Stockton because I love basketball and I love incredible plays. And these athletes do things that, like, we can only dream of on the basketball floor. And so I'm not going to be calling Stockton Kings and there's a nasty dunk that Stockton does and go, Oh my God. And then the other side, you know, the opposing team, they dunk it the same way. And I'm like, yeah, nice dunk there. Mm-hmm. You know, like to me, it's about being excited. That's why I like guys like Kevin Harlan. I look so much. Kevin Harlan's a guy I look up to a lot because he is like the gold standard to me. He makes an Orlando Sacramento game on a Tuesday night in December feel like it's game five of the NBA finals. And that's not easy to do all the time. He makes them feel important. And it's not a fake thing either. It's just how he sells a story and you, he could do multiple sports. And one thing he said in an interview I heard about six months ago, he was talking about to this day, he still goes back and listens or watches every one of the games he does. And that stuck with me because if Kevin Harlan is doing that, a Hall of Fame announcer, in my opinion, then anyone in the broadcast industry should have that same approach. It's that type of work ethic. It's that type of accountability that take you to those heights. And so I really respect him like that. I guess I'm not really answering your question. Who else I would pick? I honestly would go anywhere to do NBA play-by-play. Yeah. Um, so I think that answer was just like incredible just because the, I, I've always like taken like whatever job that I take or no matter what I'm doing, I always know that I can improve and I never have the answer. Like when pe- people always come to me for answers, I'm always just like, why are you asking me? Like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure the person next to me would know a little bit more than me. That's why I'm always like what I tell, what I tell people that start anything new, whether it's a day job or whether it's in media, it's just like, you can never stop answer, uh, asking questions just because there's always yeah. something to soak in. There's and always find- something. Well, and that you don't want to be a know-it-all either. Like, like you want to be the person that, I mean, I think being, I think young people struggle with that. I'm, I struggled with that. I thought I knew a lot about the, the game, the, the, the game of broadcasting when I'm like 22, 23 years old. Why? Because I got into it when I was 16 years old. So I felt like I had a good 
grasp on what it was all about. But then you realize, oh, wait, I, I still have a lot to learn. There's still so many different layers to this game that you just have to embrace and you have to keep growing and hold yourself accountable. And like you said, like no one likes a know-it-all. And I feel like that's the reason why you're able to get like so many jobs is that you just came in just like, okay, I want to learn. I want to be in this business. And I just, just show me. And because yeah. no, no one wants you to like, like if you walked in the Good Day Sacramento and, and you're just like, okay, I, 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 uh, I, I know everything, get out, get out of my way. Everyone just be like, who's this guy? Like he just started. It's like, uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think you need to come in with a, with a good attitude and mm-hmm. you still need to be confident. Like, I don't think you need to go in there like, oh, I, I don't know anything. Like, you know, mm-hmm. deer in the headlights, like be confident. And that's one thing I did on Good Day Sacramento, I'd never really been in front of a camera. But to me, doing a radio show, I felt like eyes were on me even when they weren't because I've got people listening to me. And so going doing a 20-minute radio segment or doing an hour podcast versus going on Good Day Sacramento for a two-and-a-half-minute hit, it was not that hard. Like some, some segments were dip, more difficult, but it's not like I was doing breaking news. I was covering events in the city. I was covering restaurant openings, you know, cool feature stories that at times did excite me. There were other times I'm like, okay, how many times can I go to a burger shop and talk about their double bacon burger, like with jelly on it? Like I don't, that doesn't inspire me. So um, I did like the challenge of learning that side of it. And I, I, what I loved about doing it is I proved to people that I was more than just a radio personality. I never, cause I always wanted to be more than that. I don't want to just be pigeonholed into, Hey, you should do, you, you do play by play or you do radio. I go, I don't agree with everything Joe Rogan says on his podcast, but what I love about Joe Rogan is what, if when you think of him, what do you think? It's like, well, he's a stand up comic. He does UFC. He has one of the most popular podcasts in the world. Like, you can't really pigeonhole him into anything. I want to be that same type of mold where I want to be able to do a two-hour podcast with Morgan. I want to call a game. I want to do some radio. I want to do some TV. I just like doing it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I I haven't really broke out into TV, just mainly just because it's a, I think it's a self-confidence thing, uh, just because I don't like being on camera. Going through school, like I've, like doing video production, I was always fine trying to get uh get out of being on camera just because i just don't like the way i look and like i don't even i don't even know how to break out of of that just fear of of uh being being seen on camera like like, i don't don't even like listening to my own voice like if i'm gonna when i'm editing this podcast that's just that's just how i am like how how did you uh, like if you had a fear like that or what do you tell people that do have that fear of getting I, it's tough to say because I don't want it to sound so simplistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you just have to go with the mindset that you don't care. I don't, it's just when there's a camera in front of me, it's just this lens, like what you just break it down. It's just a camera. I mean, you, if you were in front of me right now, I mean, you could just be having this conversation and you wouldn't think anything of it. Why should that change just because a camera's on? That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I don't worry about messing up because you're going to mess up. Like I mess up on games all the time. I mess up on podcasts all the time. It's called being a human. No one is perfect. You can turn on an NBA playoff game today 
and we're talking about network level broadcasters. You're going to hear the play-by-play guy maybe stumble. Um, you're going to hear a sideline reporter maybe get tripped up on some words. Things happen, and you just have to roll with it. When you're having a conversation with someone, you may lose your train of thought. Like you, you, you've lost your train of thought. It's not big. I lose my train of thought with Morgan on the podcast all the time. Or if you're having just a conversation on the phone with someone, you may stutter or you may trip over something. Who cares? No one thinks twice about it. It's how you recover. The problem is sometimes when in this business, when people make one mistake, like they trip up over their words, they go into panic mode and all of a sudden it's tunnel vision. They can't get out of it. You just have to embrace the fact that you're going to mess up and it's going to happen. And if you mess up, have some fun with it. Like, oops, I don't know why I forgot what I was going to say. And a camera, I just, I just got to, I don't care. Like bring the camera. You could have 17 cameras on me. It doesn't change who I am. And I know this is easier said than done. You just have to, it's a fear for a lot of people. I was a shy kid once growing up in elementary school. I was shy. I don't know what got me out of my shell. I don't know if it was because I was a big wrestling fan. I used to watch The Rock and Austin get in the ring and cut these epic promos. And I thought, man, that'd be so cool to have the confidence to do that. You just got to go do it. And what's the worst that can happen? If you're on camera, what's the worst that can happen? You may be a little nervous at first. I was nervous for my first ever hit on Good Day Sacramento. I can remember it like yesterday. I was going out to the Roseville Galleria at like five o'clock in the morning. There was some fundraiser going on. I think it was the big day of giving. And you get there. It's my first day. I got to figure out, all right, what am I going to be showing off? And then you go in there you're like, oh my God, I'm on live TV. But then you go, oh, it's just live TV. You're on for two minutes. It's over. It's in a blink of an eye. So how do you overcome that? I wish I had some amazing tip. It's, it's self-belief. It's just going, you know what? I'm comfortable with who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's... It's the same thing when I talk to athletes. I, maybe when the first guy in the business, I was maybe intimidated to talk to some famous athlete. But then you, here's how I break it down. If you cut LeBron James open, he's going to bleed the same blood as you and me. He's human. He's human. Just, just talk to him like he's a human being. He's not better than you. So what I would say to you, what I would say to anyone who's trying to pursue broadcasting or just in general, have the confidence whatever you're pursuing, go get it. Like, don't, don't, don't let this weird anxiety or fear get in the way. Confidence goes such a long way. That was a really long answer right now. No, it, it's fine. Um, I, I, I just find you incredibly in, inspirational, especially since you were born and raised in Sacramento and just you're doing pretty much everything that you love right now. And the fact that you love the Kings too, I, I, I find you inspirational for that just because so I find it super hard to be a Kings fan someday. Oh, but I think yeah. you mentioned it on Deuce and Mo is that it's super exhausting to just even be a fan of this team. I like, and I don't see myself being a fan of any other team, but it's just like, I, I don't know. It's just super exhausting. But you mentioned earlier in the podcast about like the Kings moving uh, like, like moving to Seattle or moving to Anaheim. Yeah. How did you take that as a fan? But like, I, I already know the answer to that it was, it was horrible because I know for me it was horrible, but I, it's just the constant, like those, those few years I was living, I wasn't living in Sacramento at the time. I was, I was up, you probably didn't, you probably don't know where this town is, Groveland, California. It's, I've it's, heard of it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Where's where it at? It's up by Yosemite. 
Okay. You know, but, I feel like maybe on the freeway I've seen a sign or something. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I, uh, I was living up there, but I was constant. I was going to Kings games constantly. And when the, the fact that, uh, like when I found out that the Kings were eventually leaving, it was like, I was, it was like someone ripping my heart out. Like I'm assuming that would be the same for you. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that day because I was getting ready for a show with Jason Ross. I w- went on Twitter and I saw the Woj tweet. The first in goal at the one. And yeah, I mean, it was emotional. Um, I still remember G-Man was, I believe, in New Orleans, Gary Gerald. And he was doing the game. And his attitude was the right one. Like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen. But for the time being, we're going to enjoy this ride. Whether this is the last season or not, we're going to enjoy this story and appreciate all the basketball we've seen. And I felt like, I'm like, God, is this over? I think as the days went on, I started to believe more because I felt like this city was going to fight. And I know this is, it sounds like easier. It, it doesn't sound believable. It's like, oh, of course you thought that they stayed. No, but legitimately, I, I believe because I, I just thought logically it doesn't make sense to rip the Kings from Sacramento. They're a small market town, yes, but they've got this huge fan base that's so supportive. They're one sports market. They've done well attendance-wise over the years. There's got to be someone out there that will keep this team here, that will fight for it. And maybe the Maloos can figure something out and keep them here. But yeah, it was tough because you you were constantly on Twitter just refreshing, wondering, okay, is there anything new? You know, riding the wave and hearing all the information from Seattle and how confident that they were, like, this is a done deal. Chris Hansen got it done. Oh, yeah, they're going to hire Phil Jackson as their coach or, you know, whatever. And <laughs> it was just insanity. But as the days went on, I, you know, I, I, I started talking to people close to the situation. I'm like, oh, they're definitely going to stay. Like, these Seattle people are wrong. Like, it's going to happen. And sure enough, it did. But, yeah, it was stressful. And it was it was emotional because you, I didn't know where my career was going to go if they left, you know? And ultimately they stayed. And once they stayed, you know, it was like I, that, I started with the Kings as an employee. My first year was the first year of the new ownership. So it, it was, it's been a wild ride. It was, it's so fun. Um, even though it's been tough, not making the playoffs for 14 years, it, it doesn't get old being around Kings fans, watching the team play. Um, and you just hope that one of these days they get the winning team they deserve. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I, I've only been in Sacramento for about five years. And I, f- I feel like every single person that I've met, like every single member of this community, they're, they're fighters. And yeah. I, as much as I, as much as it hurt seeing like the Kings potentially moved to Seattle or Anaheim, which Anaheim never made sense to me. I never, I knew no. they weren't going to leave for Anaheim, but I like, I knew no matter what, like you said, it's like this, the city was going to fight. Like you, you, you fought like for, for every job that uh, you just said, just get, just get me behind the camera. Get me behind the mic. Like I, I like I can do it. I, I'm willing to learn. I can do it. Like every single member of this community is a fighter. And I like, I think that I find that incredibly inspiring. Uh, but yeah, uh, I th- we've, we've gone about 45 minutes with this podcast. Uh, like, 
Deuce Mason, this is a, this is absolutely incredible. I found out so much about you and like you helped me with uh, uh, recording this podcast and stuff like that. And yeah. I find you incredibly inspiring. But where could people find you on the internet? Well, number one, I appreciate you saying that. I'm incredibly inspiring. That's really nice <laughs> for you to even say. Um, and, you know, my, the, the thing I always tell people in this business or just in life in gen- general, if you work hard, you treat people well, it should work out. And there's definitely obstacles along the way. And that's something we're doing with our Be Heard podcast platform is we need more diversity in this business. We need more people of color. The fact that you look around the NBA, there's, I think, one or two black play-by-play voices in the NBA. That's not good. You know, the, the fact that you look around the sidelines and the majority of coaches are just white. And I just hope, I'm inspired to help the next generation. If we can all, like working with Damian Barling, with Morgan and all the others, trying to help in any way we can, at least locally, to get more diversity, different voices into this business. And hopefully we can achieve that. As far as where you could find us, go to deuceandmo.com uh, or just search wherever you get podcasts. Search Deuce and Mo, and we should pop up. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and uh, you'll get everything. I mean, we're doing a lot of different things right now. We're doing a podcast four days a week. We're starting Twitch streams, kind of doing watch parties uh, for certain NBA games, twitch.tv slash Deuce and Mo. We're on YouTube. We're, we're just, hey, look, I'm still grinding because I'm still trying to work my way. I haven't made it in this business. You know, this is a journey. It's going to keep going. I got to keep grinding. So that's my mindset. And whatever you're doing, whether you're trying to get in the broadcasting, whoever's listening to this podcast, whatever you're trying to do in life, just grind, chase your passion, go for it. Thank you, Deuce Mason. It's been a pleasure. Uh, my name is Marley Silverbrand and uh, I'll, I'll see you later.